Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Paul Gallagher. Paul is an entrepreneur who, is built, who built a multi-seven-figure business from the ground up and then sold it. He is now on a journey to, you know, build another business and teach people, you know, kind of what he's learned. So welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So to start, can you give us an idea of your of your journey from maybe take us back to 18 years old or so, and then kind of what your life looked like, and then kind of how you got into, you know, this, the, your first business, and then we'll kind of get into, you know, kind of the, the bigger business that you bought uh, and, and sold. So. Well, I'll go way back, actually, before 18, middle school, real quick. I think this is where my journey began. In middle school, I, I would get free lunch. So I grew up poor. I would get free lunch. And what I would do, my friend, who always get a lot of money from his dad for supers, like the extra food, I would always been able to get to the lunch line like first or very quickly. And he was always like last. So I basically sold him my lunch and then take some of the money and go buy like, a snack and still have money left over. So that was like my first journey of entrepreneurship it was kind of funny, That's but now fast forwarding to when I was 18, I got involved to be a direct care worker, taking care of people with developmental and intellectual disabilities. And this allowed them to be at home. Um, if they move away from their parents, they can move into their own house with roommates. They use social security to split the bills. So I started as a direct care worker and then I always had an entrepreneur spirit. I even went to college, got like an associate's degree. I was going to go for like a bachelor's degree, but I'm like, I don't need a bachelor's to start a business. And so I was just driving around. What do I want to do? What do I want to do? And it popped in my head. Like I can start my own direct care work business, taking care of doing what I'm already doing. Okay. But that was at 18 or 18, 20, 21 years old. It took me like two years to really get the mindset to do that. Okay, to take that risk to go from the employee to now the the owner, right? That's what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So yeah, what did, to going from the known to the unknown. Yep. So how did you go about learning? Like, I mean, you knew what it took to operate, like the business, like operate the do the job, right? But you didn't know the other side. How do they get customers? How do you manage people? How do you hire people? So how did you go about like learning that, or did you not? And you just like just shot, and then you fired and then you aimed later or whatever like what it looks like for you so here's what i it come it has come full circle here's what i've learned and it's going to tie into this that sometimes myself i think others try to get as much education and knowledge on something that they want to do it could be business health, health whatever get as much as possible read a bazillion things but really all that's doing is procrastinating there's a point where you, you learn enough to make go down that journey and learn from experience. So when I started, I really had no idea what to do. I'm like, okay, payroll, I know I need a payroll system, but what do I, what do I do? What do I do with that? How do I bill? So when we were providing care, how do I bill? I had no idea. That's a learning curve. 
Um, even though I didn't have much money to even start with, and I needed about five to 10 grand to even start. I had like two because my friend loaned me it. So they, the caregivers were amazing. I worked with me and said, Hey, Paul, we'll wait until you have the bill. So they basically worked for like three or four weeks for free. And I was able to start paying the bills. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. It was, it was unreal. I do know how to motivate people and I didn't know how to take care of people with special needs. But other than that, the, even business, you can read it all you want until I actually learned how to do it was actually doing it. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a great lesson too, is that you just got to like do it, right? Like a lot of times I think people get stuck in the analysis paralysis and they just, like you said, they want to know everything, every little detail. They're like planning out their business card. They're planning all this stuff and it's like, they don't even need it, right? Like you, you don't even have a business yet. Like just go start making a, figure out how you make a dollar and then you can make a hundred dollars and you make it. 10,000, right? Then you make it like more, right? And it scales, but unless you make that first dollar, nothing else really matters. Like it's all just, it's all ancillary distractions. And so it's pretty cool that you realized that and you, it sounded like you just jumped in and then you said, Hey, I, I'm smart. I'm going to figure this stuff out. Uh, I'm not going to delay this. So, so talk to me about what is the, what's like the business model? Like, is it, are you renting places and then have people come or is it like you're going to their homes? Like what's the business model look like? Okay. So the way that that worked, because I did sell the company, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Okay. So what happened, they basically leased a house or apartment, condo, whatever it is, living arrangement they had with two or three roommates. They rented that out and paid it through Social Security. And from there, we came in and provided the, the care, our on-the-clock care. Got it. So they found their own place, a group of people who needed 24-7 you know, adults that needed care. And then they would they would find someone to come in and, and help them with the day-to-day tasks. Okay. And so your company was the company that came in to provide that assistance. Yes. And we got referrals from the state of Michigan slash like the county because it was Medicaid dollars. And so they uh, paid for the care and we got referrals from them say, okay, it was Genesis Home Care. And they provide the care. They got a call. And then once you've done a really good job, the referrals went up and you got more and more calls. Got it. So I guess the business model was something like, and you could tell me, but you're billing at $40 an hour or whatever. You're paying your people $12 an hour. And then like your margins in the kind of per hour build, you know, arbitrage. Is that is that right? That's exactly right. We got paid X. And then from there, we pay our caregivers, all of our expenses. And then we kept um, whatever was left. Got it. And the more people you can hire, the more homes you can get in. You multiply those billable hours, and that's you. Then I guess continue to to grow it. So, so how long were you in that business until you transitioned into your your next business? So I had Genesis for started in two thousand twelve. I was twenty three. I sold it this year oh. at thirty four. I actually started another company called Odyssey Logistics. It was a business that we contracted with Amazon for to deliver packages. And okay. that started a couple of years ago. Okay. So your um the business you sold recently uh, was was the same was the same business. You just expanded your number of, of your payroll to your clients and, and and that's how you grew it. So from Genesis or from Odyssey? Uh, Odyssey we're talking about Ge- Genesis first. Yes. So yeah. So from Genesis, what we did was we started with one or two people that lived in their own house. It was probably two or three around the clock care cases. And then for a whole year, it was almost like a wait and see of how Genesis slash Paul did with doing this. And then after a year, they got great reviews. And then now 
I made a name for myself because we did a great job and they kept on giving us more and more um, business from there. So from 2012 to 2004, 2012 to 2013, we only had like three cases or three homes we serviced 24 seven. From 2014 to 2016, it went to like 25 homes. We're getting okay. a home a month. Okay. Yeah. So so it's huge, huge growth. I mean, from four to twenty five. So you had to hire all these extra people, I'd assume, and deal with logistics yes. and and all that. Did, were you what, what was your biggest challenge in that? Was it was it finding? Was it retaining? Was I, I assume it's the staff, like the people, you know, and dealing with all their challenges. Yes, but what's crazy is that as we we had growing pains, and that was that's a very real thing, is growing pain. So as we were growing so quickly some of the systems and some of the things that we thought would work we maybe had like x amount like you know a smaller amount of employees or people we served so this is say when i say like five homes that means like five homes where we send carriers to around the clock care but it could be like three three clients per home so it's like 15 clients so your problem at five homes is maybe having one or two layers but then when you have like 25 you need a different type of leadership structure at the office in terms of hiring and now payroll and billing. So it just definitely changed. Okay. And then at its peak in, I guess, 2022, how many homes were you servicing? How many employees did you have? So it was 80 employees in 2022, and we serviced approximately 40 people in our own homes. Okay. We actually scaled back to our peak. We're at 140 employees and about 50 people, 55 people. Okay. And so then you had an opportunity to sell the business. Uh, talk to me about that. Like, how did it come about? And 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 we'll go through like the decision process. But how, how did you even? How did someone approach you about it, or did you outreach to sell it? Yeah, I outreached. So one of the businesses I started in 2018 was a logistics company yep. I mentioned, and there was somebody that I kind of got really close to, who also had a home care business, senior home though, senior home care that he sold. And he referred me to his broker. And so I reached out to his broker and we marketed it. Now, here's the deal. I've been thinking about selling. So 2020 was really rough for me in terms of COVID going into 2021. But I've been really wanting to sell um, in, in order to scale, to use a liquid to scale and a bigger purpose and things of that nature. So I got connected with him finally. I was like, you know what? I'm just, again, I threw myself into it. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to sell. And we created everything. And then it was on the market for about three Two or three weeks live, we had numerous LOI offers. And we selected one person. Well, my broker kind of did. I didn't like that idea, but he selected them and it took a year to sell. So oh, it was wow. off the market since March, early, early April of 2021, and finally closed March 1st of this year. But it was like it was a small private equity group. And yeah. So so what was like the, like from a so for that whole year, are you just like trying to hold steady? Cause like you know, you, you try not to, or is that when you scaled back, but you can't like really, cause they have expectations of what they're paying as a multiple, or if you grow it, then it's like, you're not going to get paid for your growth unless that was part of the deal. So like, to, what, what, what did you try to do for that period? Was it just like trying to keep the, 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 you know, the duct tape on the, from, uh, popping the holes out of the bucket or what? <laughs> Brian, that's a great question because <laughs> that is really the balance. And so for me, what's, uh, that's another podcast where I shared 2021 was actually one of the worst years of my life because when I got COVID back, um, it was end of December going into January. I got affected more mentally than physically. Like it, 
and I'll share this, suicidal ideations, and they call it COVID psychosis. I would, my anxiety yeah. went through the roof and depression. And yeah, so I've heard, heard so, yeah. I, I got a, I lost weight. It was really bad. That's what kind of started leading me to want to sell. My wife got diagnosed with uh, autoimmune disease, and then there was um, she had COVID, and so it was just really bad things going on throughout the whole entire year. And finally, got into a groove, got started getting healthier and healthier. But I was really removed from the business, and my team really stepped up. So I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize the business. I don't want to add new businesses. I don't want to take anything away. I don't want to make any. So it was just really coasting for that year and not doing anything and kind of letting, I would let the buyer, or the buyer know, Hey, here's what I was thinking that could benefit the company. What do you think? So I would involve him into the process. Okay. Yeah. Well, that must have been, I mean, super scary between that, the health challenges, like you said, some of the, and the, the mental, you just weren't the same person anymore because of it or temporarily, but then you probably didn't know how long is this going to last. And that, you know, all during you're trying to sell this multi-million dollar business and you have 80 people that work for you. And then, you know, all the families that they serve too, like, and a lot of it is, you know, the, the, it comes down to the leadership, right? If you totally fail and you don't have a good team around you, I mean, there's like a ton of, I mean, there's like a ton of weight on your shoulders and any business owner, but especially one that probably, ha- you know, serves, you know, people who, who are in need. So. Uh, right. I can only imagine the, the the stress all while trying to sell the business and like <laughs> along the way and like you mess something up and then you lose the deal and then you're like another year is going to have to go by and like. Oh, that would have been bad. That would have uh, been bad. So um, anyway, I, I get that. So then, so then what was the, I, I mean, I mean, you want to sell, was a lot of it to try to focus in on, on your other business or is it kind of like you just had too much going on? Like what was kind of like what drove the decision to to want to sell it was to simplify your life or is it to try to pivot into something new that was more exciting because you lost some interest or what did that look like both it was to slow down and speed up kind of like take the time to sharpen my saw but i was also very overwhelmed and i felt like if i pivoted and transitioned to something else i would just be more overwhelmed so i wanted to scale back get myself together and then go full throttle as as i only know how and so that's where, you know, Rising Tide Ventures comes into play where we acquire businesses. That's our whole business model of looking, helping, for instance, a population of the baby boomers. They want to retire, but they may not have an exit plan. And so we come in and buy that, buy their business because their kids may not want it either, help their legacy live on and take care of their employees. And so, and it's very exciting now to be transitioned from, so I learned so much from selling a company. I learned so much about buying a company by selling a company. And so now this phase, it's really exciting laying all the groundwork now to be full active. My full-time job is trying to acquire numerous businesses. So that's the next phase is very exciting. Okay. And so that's like, I guess, part of the, the capital that you receive from selling the business is that's what's seeding kind of this, this next round of M&A, or are you also like raising money as well to do this? Yeah. So it's twofold. Number one, Using the current capital that I have and then maybe JV deals. The second portion of this is depending on the deal, the size, I would be um, willing to raise capital and creating a fund. Something, something I'm exploring to do. But right now it's, uh, use my own capital. Okay. And is it a certain niche you're looking to be in? I mean, part of I, I think the goal would be to have some synergies between the companies, right? So like what, what's, is there certain criteria you're looking for in certain industries? Or is it kind of, you know, you're going to cast a wide net and then kind of see where, you know, you go with it? My business coach talked about who is from Go Abundance, Gary Kirchhoff, mentioned about casting a wide net. And 
I can see the the pluses, the pros and cons of both being super focused and then casting a wide net. In terms of the industries, it's like home healthcare, um, software companies, manufacturing, and like HVAC, for instance, or plumbing in that field. And I'll get into why it's kind of a wide net and how I'm making it work. The criteria is kind of minimum of like 350,000 EBITDA of the company and all up to like 2 million. But what's interesting is the whole Rising Tide brand is about, you know, the whole adage of a rising tide lifts all boats. And I have it in my office here um, saying that. So one of the toughest things I'm going to find is finding operators. And so how do I find operators is I can give them equity in a deal. And then uh, after I acquire, we work out that structure and it could be a win-win. You know, for instance, we talked to some people through Ascend, the, you know, the whole program with GoBundance and Emerge. And so some operators are looking to own businesses as well. So that's kind of like a win-win situation I'm looking for in business. Yeah. So why and so why go that model versus you going out and you buying the companies and creating your own like holding company, right? Whether I mean maybe even even holding company, but like why not you just go out and build the business where you say, hey, I'm going to go buy a whole bunch of HVAC guys if that's what it's going to be or whatever, and then just make this massive HVAC company where is it is it and then find a good operator to run it versus. You know, more of, I guess, a holding company model, which is like, I'm going to have a couple different businesses and a couple different things and, you know, place operators in them. You know, it's, I, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I'm so wrestling with that because I think that there is a possibility to do both as long as you have the momentum. Because, for instance, in my business coach, why are you going to go back into home healthcare? You just sold. But let's just say, for instance, I have a home healthcare business and I buy, you know, because of the, the net income of the business, it could have a management team in place. So I don't, I can buy one in like say North Carolina, for instance, and operate and then keep on doing it. But at the same time, that is probably the biggest decision that I'm facing is, yeah. you know, inch wide, mile deep kind of focus compared to yeah. and having operators all over. So that is something that really focused on. I mean, my unsolicited advice would be you, you take all that brain power and it's like focused in on like one thing. I've heard, I heard this really good analogy. I was reading this book. Um, I forget what it's called right now. I just started it. But anyway, he's talking about focus is a flashlight. And he, mm-hmm. and he talks about how you're in a dark room. And if your focus is all over the place, like this flashlight, you can't see anything versus like you shine it on one place. You, there's a clear path forward and then you can, you can move forward. And uh, it's called the breakthrough code. That's what it's called by Tom McCarthy. I heard him on a Ed Milet the other day. And anyway, it, a lot of it was, was about that and, and harnessing the power of your brain and like, really focusing in and that's where you then get these huge breakthroughs and you can have this like exponential growth. Yes. And I, I think for you, like, I don't know if I'm thinking like, you know, the home healthcare business, I don't know what, mul- I, can you share what multiple you sold the business at? Like multiple of earnings? If not, it's it okay. Was three point, it was 3.4. Okay. So three, three point, let's just say three, five. So right. Like there's this model where it says, and this is what we've kind of done in automotive. And for, for you, it could be similar where you're going, you're finding these guys, you're buying them up at like, two, two and a half, maybe three times, right? Mm-hmm. A, as a multiple. But then their sales are like half of what they could. So then you're you're going through and then you're like implementing these like proven systems that have worked like in your business and your guy in North Carolina and the guy you bought in Pennsylvania and all over the place. Right. Now you're you're doubling the profit, tripling the profit. Plus now that they're becoming part of this larger company, now instead of worth, you know, two X, now they're worth three and a half X, or maybe you get this thing even bigger, they're, they're worth four X or five X, right? The bigger you get, the bigger the multiple. And so, exactly. I don't know, you find a thing that's doing 300 grand, you're buying it for like, let's say 900, 
right? And then you get the profit up to 500 and then it's worth, you know, times four, it's worth like 2 million bucks, right? Like, yeah. it, but, but then you have all these synergies of, you know, the, the home healthcare and like, Hey, we're trying this new thing in North Carolina and, and, you know, this could really work in, in, in Pennsylvania or Michigan. And like, now you have synergies and you have, you have a leadership structure and you have like one back office that does all your AP and AR and like, I don't know. I, no, that's, that's super smart because that's what, like, you know, the, one of the goals would be to sell, sell the private equity. You have enough, yeah. private equity comes in, they go, you have all these synergies, you have this system, you have this leadership. Yeah. And it's plug and play. Yeah, multiple from three and a half turns to five or six. Depending yeah. On five, exactly. six, like you can get to seven, eight, like the bigger you get. And the more they view you as like a platform that they say, hey, you're the guy that can help us get this thing from, I don't know, we're doing $3 million. We can get this thing to 5 million or 10 million. And because you're like, I mean, it's a switching of roles though. Like now you're becoming the operator to go and say, hey, I'm going to go do all this thing, but you got a whole bunch of money, you know, off the table as well. So, <laughs> uh, versus like the whole co model, like I see it, I hear guys talking about it on Twitter all the time, but like for a lot of it, it's like, I don't know, I think it, I think it really works when you're, when you get some really big businesses involved, right? And you, you can create these, these parallels and there's already operators in place. And I think a lot of times when you're buying out guys who are retiring, because we've done this, we bought out multiple guys retiring, like you need to put a new person in place right away. Yeah. The new person you put in place, like it's new to them too. And like, I don't know, there, there's like risks in that. And what if it's, you know, it's an employee and maybe he's got some equity, but maybe he's not that good operator. And then like, now you got this new business, you just paid all this money for this guy that's brand new and like, you know, maybe it, maybe it doesn't work. Right. And then now you have to step in and run this business. And then like, you know, you're half, half your days running a plumbing business, half your days running like a software company, another hour of the day, <laughs> you're running like a home healthcare, right? Because <laughs> like, you don't have the infrastructure of these really good operators versus I, I think what happens is with these big guys who do these, these hold, hold codes is like, you know, they got operators that are paying a huge amount of money that they've stolen from another big company, right? To run that thing. And it's, mm. it's like, it's, it's a little bit different than, um, I, I think what the other ones are, but anyway, that's just my perspective. But anyway, uh, no, that's, that's something that, you know, I wrestled back and forth with and we're still trying to redefine because some of it too is someone may want to acquire a company and then it's almost like an angel investor, like a holding company. I'm like almost like an investor more yeah. than an operator. So it's kind of like a twofold, like play of, I'm interested in these industries, but I have somebody that can really execute, I can add value from the financing it. But again, the whole barrel of inch wide mile deep. Yeah, it's hard, and it's people wrestle with it. And plus, it's it sounds cool to say, "Hey, I own I own like all these different businesses." Like it's like a mini Berkshire, right? That sounds cool. Like, but but you know, I I don't know. I I, I think it's 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 harder to gain traction unless you have a ton of synergies between the business. Right? right. We get to the back office side, like all the billing, like. And then you have you have all these different companies that all have CFOs and controllers and payables, right? Versus like you have one big company of like one team that handles it all. That could save you like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that you can then, you know, take or continue to reinvest in the business. And so like, you know, I, I don't I don't know. That's like, I, and I wrestle with this too. And I've thought about a lot of this. That's why I have I'm you know opinionated on it. But um, you know, it's like it's it. really like I think for you, it's like, hey, what are your strengths? And for you, like you said, it's like. You, you can motivate people. You can like lead the team, right? You've got the like vision of what you want to do. And so, I mean, if I was you, it, it's like you find the really good operator, the right hand man guy, who's just like, who's like a dog with the bone and just like, just doesn't let go of, of the tasks. And so you can set out the vision 
and then you you hand off all the operations to him and he just he just like fucking charges with it and so anyway that and then that relieves you of the operational like headaches or responsibilities and then you can continue to focus on 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 the bigger picture and the vision and the acquisitions and all the fun stuff and you said right there on the fun stuff absolutely i i I'll give board operations. So yep. that's why it's so important to have those operators. See, yeah. sometimes they bring deals to me. So again, there's some industries I don't touch. And I agree with the whole aspect of like, again, we talk about it more and more. The whole, what you've been mentioning, like that laser focus of the flashlight in the room would just aim at one side where you can see instead of going all over the place. Because also that's one thing I want to avoid is being all over the place. And sometimes I feel like I am. So it is, narrowing that down it's just keep on going at it it's hard i mean even for anybody instead for for you and kind of you're in this this stage now you kind of sold the business and now it's like what do you do next like (laughs) the the world like you could do anything in the world right you've like got the skill set you've got the the intelligence you've got the experience you've got the money now like you could do anything in the world and so then it's really a matter of hey where can i guess you have the biggest impact where can you help people like what excites you i, th- I think is a, is a big question um like what gives you energy where you can just like wake up at five o'clock without a alarm every day and just like go at it versus you know something that you're like just boring you and it's like why am i doing this why am i spending time with these people if i don't want to and so i think that's a, i mean it's a big question too for a lot of people listening it's like what you know even if you're a w2 and you want to get into a business like you could buy any business in the world what are you going to buy and uh, I think it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, for advice, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, a lot of it, you know, for you, it's the excitement of something new, it sounds yeah. like, right? It's the acquisition, it's chasing the deal. It's like, you know, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's that's like a lot of fun. I don't know, what do you, what do you think on that? So the way that I answer this question, I, first of all, I realize it's a journey. The second thing is this. Let's say that you're one of the persons that won the lottery recently, that was like a billion dollars, it was like a month ago or whatever. So close, you close your eyes and you envision yourself winning the lottery and then you take home a half billion dollars, whatever it is. What would you do with your life? And some people will say, I'll sit on the beach and do this. And it's like, bullshit. If you're an entrepreneur, you have, you have that drive. That's not going anywhere. If anything, it's like, oh, what can I do with it? And so it's really envisioning what that looks like and then doing that. So for me, it's part of it is traveling. We have my wife and I bought an RV. We're going to travel the United States with the kids because we homeschool now. So we're going to do that. But we, meanwhile, I can visit the businesses we're looking to buy, do a lot of the business. And it's really going to be all business, not all business, but business from the RV. I want to be able to help people and impact people's lives through my rising tide brand in terms of speaking engagements and teaching and training entrepreneurship. And so that's what excites me. So, um, I would definitely do the exercise with the ladder. Yep. Yeah, and I think you know, I think that's that's good for a lot of people to identify what part of it. And for you, like you said, it's 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 teaching people, and it's like for me, it's like I have this phrase to inspire growth. Like I like like I want to inspire people to grow, like because I want to grow personally, and that's what's exciting to me. And it's like if I can help other people do the same thing, then that's that's what gives me fulfillment. Right? Is is to see other people progress and grow. And so I think um, a lot of it is just figuring out what excites you, and then. How can you apply that? And I, and the other thing I think is like it doesn't matter what the business is. Like I think it's just you stick to one and you enjoy, like you find the parts that you enjoy, whether it's you, whether it's teaching people or watching them grow, or it's the finance or the numbers or the marketing, right? Like, like all businesses are kind of the same at the end of the day. We drive customers, you know, we 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 got to control costs, right? We got to like grow. We deal with challenges. It's just more of what are the types of problems you want to solve, and then finding a business that you know 
you can you can solve those problems in, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. What problems do you want to solve? And that's another good question. I think is a good a good way to question what you want to do moving forward. And all of a sudden, selling and now going, okay, I have a bit of money and now I can do whatever. It's like a wake up call. Sometimes I feel myself busier than I was previously in selling, and it's like slow my horses, no rush. So that's the part two that's uh, interesting. Yep. Uh, t- who's been a big like mentor for you along the way? You mentioned your coach. I don't know if there's anybody else in your life who, um, you know, has, has impacted you and what do you think they taught you? Well, I think a couple of things is a couple of, um, mentors and coaches through Go Abundance, Gary Kish, Paul, Paul Slow is to name a couple. And I would say, my, uh, my Go Abundance pods are some of the biggest impacts and people in just Go Abundance generally. That's where I've looked to. That's one of the reasons why I joined Go Abundance is those authentic relationships, but also just learning not only business, but also personal and marriage and advice and things of that nature. I think that is the biggest. And I think through reading, I read every single day, at least I try to. And one of my heroes is uh, Benjamin Franklin and his wit, the, the way he interacted with people, his entrepreneurship spirit was just is phenomenal. My dad, he passed away, you know, four or five years ago, but he was always a big influence and I'm inspired by him and, and my kids. So that's kind of, uh, and my faith is a big part. So those kind of all together is what drives me. Yeah. That's awesome. For anyone listening who doesn't know, GoBundance is a group of, of entrepreneurs who, you know, work together and they, we mastermind and we talk through ideas, just like the conversation Paul and I are having, we have virtually, we you can have in a small group, you can be at a national convention and a local meetup and lots of different ways to connect with other like-minded, uh, because the men's group is what we're in. And obviously they have a, they have a women's group as well. So um, anybody can go to goabundance.com and learn about it if they're interested, but um, it's been life-changing for, for both of us. And a lot of people I've had on the show and a lot of my friends and kind of my, as your network grows, you know, you, you start to surround yourself with better and better people. And it's, it's great to be part of a group like that where, Everyone is constantly up in their game and you're working to up your game too, uh, in, in a fun, you know, but competitive way too. So, um, awesome. So where can people connect if they're interested in learning kind of more about what you're up to or if you know, maybe have a business they want to sell or chat about with some advice, where, where can they get in contact with you? So this week, my website should be going live and my email, new email, but I'll just give you my old email, pgallagher, P-G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R-88 at yahoo.com. That's my first email ever. I still have it. Utilize it. But it's going to be changing to like the Paul at Rising Tide.com yep. and stuff like that. But for right now, pgallagher88.yahoo.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll link it up um, in the comments there as well. So they'll be able to get that. And uh, cool. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. Pretty inspiring. I mean, you took it, you know, the path from being an employee to starting your own business and just figuring out, you know, selling it for, for a couple million bucks and then continuing now to grow off in the next thing. And you know, be able to impact a lot of people kind of with your knowledge, experience, or coaching. So it's, uh, it's really cool. One last thing, Brian, if you don't mind. Yeah. I always, I love reading and I want to recommend a book. It's one of my favorite of all time. It's The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Schwarma. It's just in the fantastic. Can you say that again? Because I, I didn't understand it. What the was it monk who, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Yes. Okay. What's it about? That's an interesting Schwarma, title, obviously. Schwarma. It's a, so it's a high profile attorney that was super rich and drove a Ferrari and him having a heart attack and decided he was just going to sell, leave the firm and sell his business. And he went to like travel with monks and learned like a way to like live much better and these different principles. And then he went back and taught 
his pupil or one of the like business partners at the firm and he did the same thing. And so it's a, there's different principles of way of learning, um, kind of like a monk way of living. It's pretty spectacular. That's so awesome. Cool. It. We'll link that up. It's cool. I'll have to check it out. I've, uh, it's, a, it's a new one uh, on the list there. So awesome. Cool. Thanks again for coming on and sharing your story. I think it's been great. And uh, I appreciate your time. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Paul. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 